I'm Robin Amler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Rob Stratoff, Chief Executive Officer of Liberis, an SME lending fintech. And we will come to the funding gap for SMEs in a moment. But first of all, I want to ask, Rob, your views on the so-called great resignation. Is it happening or are we not going to be able to afford to stop working because of inflation? In terms of great resignation, I think I think there's a uh, there's two aspects to it. Number one, you just mentioned it: uh, inflation will rapidly you know, erode everybody's uh, savings and assets, and uh, will make it tougher to you know to 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 go with pension, early pension, or live your life as you did it. Because my view is that salaries won't increase as much as inflation over the next foreseeable ten years. I would say, so you know there will be a discrepancy there in terms of uh, you know your net uh, living wage. Separately to that, I think we're in a in a in a flux of lots of lots of people are moving away from the jobs that they had into bigger, better jobs uh, across tech companies, and they've all hired uh, you know globally right now. So all of a sudden, there's a shortage of a specific function for uh, you know a specific set of uh, skill sets that is being rapidly trained up, and you see now a lot of more uh, people going into tech, going into product, uh, having the right skill sets to actually fill those gaps. Uh, and you know it's upskilling the, the the global population. I would say it's upskilling. Uh, you know, here in the UK, that uh, you see it happening. I believe that we're going for another maybe year through a very tight position. Lots of people will will be part of the great resignation. A year from now, I don't. I can't see it keeping up given the economy and given where we uh, uh, where we're heading for people to, uh, to you know to to just throw away their careers and, and uh, swap to swap to another career. I think you're going to see a lot more people having to really think about uh, what their financial situation is going to be. Well, that was the the personal funding gap, perhaps, that's causing that problem. But there's a corporate funding gap, particularly, and there always has been, amongst small and medium-sized enterprises, the SMEs that we all believe to be the lifeblood of, well, pretty much every economy around the world. This funding gap's got bigger And yet there are more companies like yours who are looking to bridge that gap. What's the issue? The biggest issue is you have a set of funders who have pretty archaic kind of uh, processes in place, uh, an old-fashioned view on how they underwrite for small businesses that are now part of the new economy and part of a new subset of value creation uh, segments and, and job creation segments that banks really haven't adjusted to. And, you know, that's e-com, that is, you know, there's a lot more businesses now having online channels uh, and they don't just bank with one bank. They don't just take payments from one payment provider. They don't just deal with one software provider. They have a, a multitude of channels, a multitude of customers worldwide, and the current banks aren't able to underwrite those businesses for appropriate business finance. Now, hence, fast forward uh, you know, a few years after that, you see companies like Liberis, who have lots of experience in underwriting these businesses, combined with a tech platform that integrates with payment providers, with platforms, with e-commerce platforms that can underwrite the new economy much, much better than banks can. And the way that we do that is we pull information from the platforms, we augment the credit decision with credit bureau data, with transaction data, with bank account data, and we uh, we find a way to fund way more businesses than traditional banks and funders could do. So the difference in uh, accept rate is, uh, you know, we approve approximately seventy-five to eighty-five percent of businesses, whilst banks, uh, in general, for every hundred businesses that they serve, they approve probably between thirty to forty of those businesses. And actually, in the US, the stat is twenty-six percent, I believe, at the moment. 
I said there were a lot of businesses like yours in this arena, and there are. There's been a boom in the creation of small business banks. There's been a boom in the creation of fintech lenders. Is there any danger? You say you you approve a, a much higher percentage. Is there any danger that if we hit a significant downturn in the economy, money has been cheap, money will get more expensive, it is getting more expensive, the businesses that you've lent to could start to fail? That is, yeah, that is very plausible, uh, especially with the uh, severity of the recession that um, I believe we're, we're, we have to be uh, preparing for over the next uh, year to year and a half. The good thing is that Libris has been around since, you know, since 2007. We focused on partnership lending or embedded finance since 2015, and we have lots of data. So from over 45,000 transactions across multiple countries, we know what an impact of the 2011 recession has had. So with that information, we, we are very well prepared for you know, the, the, the upcoming recession. The best part about it is we get daily transaction data from our businesses. So we know when they start struggling. We know when, when there's a cash squeeze. We have the open banking data that we, uh, that we use to forecast, uh, you know, forecast their, um, their cash flows as well. So on a daily basis, we can steer the book and steer the accept rate, whilst banks and, and uh, many other um, SME providers go into three to five-year loans. We do short-term working capital. In general, below 12 months, we go up to 18 months. But in general, the book is, uh, is, is you know, it's half term of the book is about four to five months. So in five months time, 50% of the book will refinance already, which means that we can steer the credit quality and steer the pricing uh, and steer the sectors that uh, we see are most vulnerable uh, as quickly as possible. Hence, you know, our default rates are always, uh, you know, very well under control. We just maximize the amount of accepts, uh, the accept rate that we, uh, that we can achieve for small businesses to help as many small businesses as we can. You mentioned both of my next two buzz phrases, open banking and embedded finance. So you're actually making use of open banking data and you're looking to businesses that work in embedded finance or you're embedding your finance in businesses? So the way that we embed our, our finance and, and, and embedded finance is a very uh, ambiguous term because everybody's using it right now. It's quite interesting. Uh, the way that I see embedded finance is you are part of someone else's ecosystem where you utilize their data to make a, uh, an offer to that business within the ecosystem that they use. Now, in short, that is, you know, we work with, uh, for example, Klarna. Klarna is a buy now, pay later provider that works with small businesses. The small business logs onto their dashboard and they see, you know, all the um, functionality from Klarna. They see their, you know, their, their statements, et cetera. And there's a little widget that says, dear Robin, you run such a great business. You are pre-approved for uh, 20,000 pounds of working capital. Yeah, and we use the data to pre-approve our customers, make them uh, an offer. And they, they don't have to leave that ecosystem to take out the funding. Everything is pre-populated. A few clicks later, they have their money in their account within a few minutes. And they start paying as, back as a percentage of their revenues from the day after. So you don't have to leave the ecosystem. It's pre-approved. We use the data that we, uh, that we get from the partner. And the user friendliness is a few clicks to actually take out the funding rather than coming with a business plan, waiting for three weeks for an approval, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, that's why um, uh, you know, the future of, of business finance I see as embedded into ecosystems. This is a new way of talking, certainly to me, of business finance. And it's a new way of talking of embedded finance because so far, most of the conversations I've had about it have been on the retail side of things, not on the business side of things. How do you see the relationship between open banking and embedded financing evolving further as it pertains to business? 
So funny enough, open banking is a very European and UK term. If you go to the US, they don't really have open banking, but they have played and, and true layer, et cetera, to pull the data in, in a similar way from people's bank accounts. So the way that people use open banking is, is basically getting access very uh, you know, instantly to someone's bank account data. So banks don't hold the, um, you know, the, the asset of information just for themselves. They have to share that now with, with other providers. The way that I see open banking as, as part of the embedded finance, I think it's going to be very tough doing it without it. So for buy now, pay later providers, the FCA has already uh, mentioned that they're going to look much more after the sector in terms of regulation and uh, affordability checks. Now, the only way you can do a for proper affordability checks is actually by pulling someone's bank account data or someone's cash flow data to know what they can uh, what they can support over the coming uh, coming months. Now, that for that data to get easy access, of course, you can upload your PDFs and you can upload your statements, etc. Or you click through with a few clicks uh, and get access to someone's bank account data, and you pull that into your your own uh, system within you know within a few seconds. Uh, and that's with the power of open banking to enable embedded finance. So this is something that is going to spread because these are terms. If you were to ask the average retail customer, what do you think of open banking? What do you think of embedded finance? They wouldn't have a clue what you were talking about. And frankly, I think quite possibly the same is true for the average SME owner manager. These are industry terms. How do we sell it to the potential customers, the end users? That is an amazing question, because if you compare the data pre-pandemic versus post-pandemic on open banking access, pre-pandemic, a majority of people were very skeptical about giving alternative providers, but also even people like Amex, uh, access to open banking. Now, if, you, um, if you're with Amex and you want to pay your bill, Amex has made an, an, uh, a button that says link in your bank account, and you can pay your, your bill instantly with like literally one click. People become, because of the pandemic, people become far more accustomed to using open banking for their personal finances, for applying for funding, for uh, the government grants that have been issued, or, you know, if you want to file your tax, uh, tax accounts right now, you need, you know, you basically need open banking. So it's been a, a huge step forward in terms of people's education of what open banking is. Now, is it important that they know what open banking is? I don't think so. Is it important that open banking is governed? and made sure that there's limited fraud possible. And if fraud is detected, uh, it's tackled ASAP. That's going to be incredibly important. Well, well you, you were talking there mainly about open banking. What about the concept of embedded finance? Nobody's going to notice embedded finance. It's just that button on the screen that you mentioned. Exactly. Whatever that button is. I hope we can keep it that way. Um, so, for example, uh, you know, if, you're, if you're getting into your Uber and uh, you make a payment, that's embedded payments. Uh, you know the payments are lined up in the background. You just slide your your finger over the uh, over the screen, and you made your payments uh, whilst you're booking your cab. With business finance, I hope we're going to do exactly that. Which is when you're in someone's uh, environment, whether that's Barclay Card or WorldPay or Klarna, and there's a little button that says, you know, WorldPay Working Capital or Barclay Card Business Finance. Click here. The name of the uh, provider is the trusted brand, right? The provider behind that is using that name, you know, Libris in this case, to offer you a product. So it's vetted by a party that you already trust. And that's why, um, you know, with embedded finance, nobody has to know what it is. You just need to know that the party that you're dealing with, you trust. And that's why it's, it's so great to be part of an ecosystem. Rob Stratov, Chief Executive Officer of Libris, thank you very much.